tonight. Our, our speaker is uh, Bridget Jelaine. She's been um, practicing meditation since 1986, first with four years of Zen practice and then following with Vipassana. She's been a, a student of Gill's since he began teaching in 1990. Uh, she coordinates the San Jose Sangha and teaches there regularly. Um, she's a graduate of the Community uh, Dharma Leaders Program at Spirit Rock and the Sati Center uh, Chaplaincy Training. Um, she teaches meditation weekly at the Elmwood Women's Correctional Facility in Milpitas. And as a psychotherapist in private practice for many years, she incorporates mindfulness and the understandings of Buddhist practice in her work with clients. Thank you, Jim. Thank you. And one more little announcement I have. Um, beginning on Wednesday in San Jose, I'll be teaching a class called Basic Buddhist Practice. It's six weeks, and it's um, just the basic principles of Buddhist practice. So if you know anybody down that way that might be interested, you can let them know. Um, I invite any of you that might like to, to come in closer. We're a small group tonight and feels like you're way out here. Well, welcome everybody on this July 4th. I wasn't sure whether we'd have <laughs> two or three. or <laughs> So it's a very nice, very nice group. And as this is July 4th, this is Independence Day in our country. So what I'd like to talk about is interdependence. Um, many years ago, in 1991 actually, after a Thich Nhat Hanh retreat, several people planned an event at Spirit Rock uh, on July 4th. And I wasn't part of the planning, but I did go. It was a wonderful afternoon. Um, and I've always wished that somebody would plan another one since then. It was a wonderful way to spend the day. And on that day, we were given I'm not sure who created it, but this Declaration of Interdependence. So when Inez asked me if I would talk today, I knew immediately what I was going to talk about. <laughs> and later, um, I'll pass these out and, and we can read it. Um, interdependence, interconnectedness, interrelatedness interbeing or inter-R is what Thich Nhat Hanh calls it. And I think it's such, such a beautiful um, 
description of our relatedness, of how we are all interrelated, how we're not isolated, we're not islands unto ourselves. We actually are part of this whole web of life. Martin Luther King said, in a real sense, all life is interrelated. All persons are caught in an inescapable network of mutuality, tied in a single garment of destiny. Whatever affects one directly affects all indirectly. I can never be what I ought to be until you are what you ought to be. And you can never be what you ought to be until I am what I ought to be. This is the interrelated structure of reality. I really like that. I I think that says it so beautifully. We don't stand alone. None of us is self-made or self-sufficient. We like to think so, I think, in this country. We like to think that we're self-made or that we're self-sufficient. But the reality is, um, even those that are extremely successful or at the top have had lots of support, lots of help, breaks, whatever, along the way, and are, in fact, dependent on those under them to support them. Um, I think we see this very clearly whenever there's a disaster. We're very good at responding to a disaster. And it seems like we we really recognize, we're really aware of our interdependence at that time. Of course, the two major ones that I can think of are the earthquake in 89. And I remember clearly neighbors that I never talked to, never see. We all gathered together in one person's living room. There was such a need to be together. And then, of course, we offered each other, you know, batteries or food or whatever. And it was a wonderful feeling. I think nobody wanted to be alone that night. We all wanted to be with someone else. And we wanted to talk. We needed to talk. And so we did that for a while. And then, as happens, you know, things settle down. We go about our normal life again. And there develops or there seems to, we seem to fall back into this feeling of separateness, of individuality. And then 9-11 is the next big disaster that comes to mind where the same thing happened. Everybody came together and everybody supported each other and, uh, you know, everybody was magnanimous, it seems like, offering to help and to be together. And it lasted for quite some time. But then... Again, eventually, you know, as things quiet down, we go about our individual lives and again comes over this feeling of separateness or of, of um, independence. So it seems to be important that we remind ourselves, that we remember the truth of our interrelatedness. I recently read this book, Creating a World That Works for All. Uh, It's just fortuitous that I came to have it, but it's a wonderful book. And I'm sure the man who wrote it, Sharif Abdullah, if not a Buddhist practitioner, certainly is very familiar with Buddhist principles. But he says about this, 
We live in a world that works for only a few. The problem, he asserts, is exclusivity, the fundamental belief that we are separate from one another. By practicing exclusivity, we have created a soul-starved society. We suffer, both personally and as a society, from complex interlocking problems so intense that they create a deep sense of emptiness in all of us. We can change our world by changing our consciousness. We can actually put an end to these complex problems by embracing inclusivity, the realization that all of our lives are inextricably linked. When we do a food blessing, often what we do is remember where the food that we're about to eat comes from. And all the elements, the people, all the work that it took to bring that food to us. Almost none of us grow our own food anymore. We may grow some. But I don't know anybody that, that grows all of their own food. So we are dependent on the farmers. And the farmers, of course, are depe- dependent on the elements, the sun, the soil, the rain, the moon, etc. We're dependent on the farm workers that pick the food, the truck drivers that bring it to the, the supermarket warehouses the store clerks, the owners of the stores, um, et cetera, et cetera. And it can be a nice reminder as we sit down to an abundant meal that we remember this whole chain of people and events that has brought this food to us. I drive to Monterey quite often, and I try always (coughs) to you know, in my car, bow to all the farm workers as we drive through the agriculture. You know, there is so much, of course, down in that area. And I see those farm workers, you know, in rain or in sweltering heat, doing this back-bending work so that I can have my fresh strawberries or broccoli or whatever it is that I have. And uh, I want to, I want to be sensitive to them and to remember that when I go to farmer's market or Whole Foods or whatever, you know, it's because of them that I can buy this basket of strawberries. So Thich Nhat Hanh talks a lot about this fundamental interrelatedness, interconnectedness, interbeing, he says. And he talks about paper and the non-paper elements that are in paper. So when we see, when we look at this piece of paper, he suggests that we see not just paper, but we see clouds and rain and trees and forests and the lumbermen, I guess, that harvest the, the trees and on and on. So 
I'd like to read just a bit. It's a little bit long, but very poetic from The Heart of Understanding. If you are a poet, you will see clearly that there is a cloud floating in this sheet of paper. Without a cloud, there will be no rain. Without rain, the trees cannot grow. And without trees, we cannot make paper. The cloud is essential for the paper to exist. If the cloud is not here, the sheet of paper cannot be here either. So we can say that the cloud and the paper inter-are. Interbeing is a word that is not in the dictionary yet. But if we combine the prefix inter with the verb to be, we have a new verb, interbe. Without a cloud, we cannot have paper. So we can say that the cloud and the sheet of paper inter-are. If we look into this sheet of paper even more deeply, we can see the sunshine in it. If the sunshine is not there, the forest cannot grow. In fact, nothing can grow. Even we cannot grow without sunshine. And so we know that the sunshine is also in this sheet of paper. The paper and the sunshine inter-are. And if we continue to look, we can see the logger who cut the tree and brought it to the mill to be transformed into paper. And we see the wheat. We know that the logger cannot exist without his daily bread. And therefore, the wheat that became his bread is also in this sheet of paper. And the logger's father and mother are in it too. When we look in this way, we see that without all of these things, this sheet of paper cannot exist. Looking even more deeply, we can see we are in it too. This is not difficult to see because when we look at a sheet of paper, the sheet of paper is part of our perception. Your mind is in here and mine is also. So we can say that everything is in here with this sheet of paper. You cannot point out one thing that is not here. Time, space, the earth, the rain, the river, the heat. Everything coexists with this sheet of paper. That is why I think the word interbe should be in the dictionary. To be is to interbe. You cannot just be by yourself alone. You have to interbe with everything else. This shade of paper is because everything else is. Suppose we try to return one of the elements to its source. Suppose we return the sunshine to the sun. Do you think that this sheet of paper will be possible? No. Without sunshine, nothing can be. And if we return the logger to his mother, then we have no sheet of paper either. The fact is that this sheet of paper is made up only of non-paper elements. And if we return these non-paper elements to their sources, then there can be no paper at all. Without non-paper elements, like mind, logger, sunshine, and so on, there will be no paper. As thin as this sheet of paper is, it contains everything in the universe in it.
just let that sink in. Everything is in this sheet of paper. What a way of seeing things. So I'd like to suggest for just a moment that you look at your life, or we all look at our lives, and see how are you interconnected. What are the ways in which you are interdependent? Inter are. I think of a few things in my own life. I'm sitting here tonight teaching. Without students, I couldn't be teaching. Without a teacher, you wouldn't be sitting here. I'm a grandmother. But of course, I'm a grandmother because I have a daughter who has a son. I have a grandson. I'm a therapist, but I can't be a therapist without clients. And clients can't be clients without a therapist. Ram Dass likes to say, so tonight I'm sitting in this position. Tomorrow I may be sitting out there. (laughs) Today I play therapist. Tomorrow I may be the client and you're the therapist. find it really inspiring and, um, I don't know, uplifting, I guess, to recognize all of our interconnections, all of our interdependencies. I think, actually, it helps me feel not so alone and not such a heavy sense of responsibility that I have to manage everything alone or I have to do everything. I'm part of this web of life. And I do my part. I contribute what I can. And other people contribute in ways that they can. And it seems important. Um, it It certainly makes me happier. The less I compare and the more I just appreciate all the different ways that we serve each other. We serve each other in so many different ways and there's no one way to be. I, For many years I thought there was. I thought there was a way to be a good person and I was constantly striving you know, to find or to be that way. What a relief and what joy to find out that it's more like a kaleidoscope. <laughs> right? We all have something to contribute and the beauty is in each of us contributing to each other and therefore none of us feeling alone. We do forget, however, don't we? We do forget that we're so interconnected and think that we must stand alone or that we must do everything alone. Uh, A couple of pertinent readings. 
This is a daily book of readings that, as you can see, is so well used. It's so rich and full of wonderful readings. And this is the one for January 1st. A woman can't survive by her own breath alone. She must know the voices of mountains. She must recognize the foreverness of blue. She must flow with the elusive bodies of night wind woman who will take her into her own self. Look at me. I am not a separate woman. I am a continuance of blue sky. I am the throat of the Sandia Mountains. A night wind woman who burns with every breath she takes. Joanna Macy has written a book called World as Lover, World as Self. And she talks about many things. But one thing that stands out is that if we see the world as ourselves, then we can't harm. We can't harm it if the world is not separate from us. The world is us, and we are the world. And if we see that with each other, then we can't harm. We can't harm each other, because to do so would only harm ourselves. Her words, having nothing to do with this bird, except as she breathes in the air, this bird flies through. As the grass needs the body of the bird to pass its seeds, as the earth needs the grass, as we are made from this earth, and the sunlight in the grass enters the body of the bird, enters us. This is Susan Griffin. We could not live without the air we breathe the air that all creatures breathe, the air through which the bird flies. We are not separate from the soil in which our food grows, nor from the farmer who plants and harvests the food. The farmer could not be here without parents to give her birth. No one could survive without the air and the water and the sun. If the sun didn't shine and the rain didn't fall, the trees couldn't grow. The lumber from the trees made the paper on which these words are printed. Had I not been born, I could not have written them. And had you not been born, you could not be reading them. Is any one of us truly separate? Does any one of us exist alone? So I'm reminded that the Buddha said and Jesus said, You know, be an island unto yourself. Be a lamp unto yourself. And it occurred to me, you know, is this contradictory? We're talking about how interrelated, interdependent we are. And yet at the same time, be an island unto yourself. And upon reflection, it seemed to me it's not a contradiction. Really, we're talking about two different things. It is important that we turn inward. It is important that we touch the divine, the Buddha nature within ourselves. 
it is important that, that we remain centered and that we speak our truth, that, that we truly know who we are. And that does not negate our interconnectedness, our interrelatedness. We speak from that deep source within, but that in no way contradicts the fact that we are all interrelated. So I suppose we could say in one way we stand alone, but in other, or another way of looking at it is we don't stand alone at all. Maybe a paradox, but for me it makes perfect sense. As I was thinking about this, I ran across an article by Andy Olensky uh, at the Berry Center for Buddhist Studies, who comes out here once a year or so to teach. And in, uh, I think it's the most recent issue of the Insight Journal, spring this year, he wrote an article entitled, Interconnected or Not? <laughs> and I understand uh, he's, he's on sort of a kick right now about the use of this word, interconnected, because for him, he hears it as being attached bound at the hip, he says, um, bound by condition phenomena. And he argues that um, perhaps a better word would be inter-non-attachedness. <laughs> <laughs> and I thought, okay, that's fine, inter-non-attachedness. <laughs> I think he's talking about something different than at least what I'm talking about. Um, I think it's very possible for us to see clearly our interrelatedness and interdependentness without being attached at the hip, without being bound to uh, conditioned phenomena. But it's kind of fun to, to play with it a little bit, to, to think about it. And I think the question, you know, does any of us exist alone is a good one hold, a good one to, to contemplate perhaps. Thich Nhat Hanh talks about there's no difference between the perpetrator and the victim, you know, in his poem, Call Me By My True Name, because the reality is all of us have both within us. We're all the perpetrator, we're all the victim, and um, we, you know, we play the role at different times. And the more we recognize that, the more we see the perpetrator and victim within ourselves, then I think the more compassion we have for others, for other victims, for other perpetrators. And then compassion can bring us together. So I'd like to um, pass these out. And I thought it might be, it's a little bit long, it takes about 10 minutes, I think, to read, but it's pretty powerful. Are there enough?
I don't honestly know who this was written by. Um, it was what we used, as I said, at Spirit Rock in 1991. I believe it was the committee that put the afternoon together that wrote it, but I'm, I'm not absolutely sure of that. Thank you. I made many copies, so I'll leave some out on the table later um, if other people want them. That's okay. <laughs> I'll, I'll read it. But um, there is a chorus in between. It's, it's taken from, the, um, from our Declaration of Independence and, of course, reworked, reworded. But the chorus goes, We hold these truths to be self-evident. I am, therefore you are. You are, therefore I am. So I'll read the stanza and then um, I'll let you repeat the verse. Within the unfolding of time, our world and our awareness express their fundamental nature, which is to change. Our concepts of self, both individual and collective, necessarily shift as well to fit better with the emerging reality. Now the time has come for interdependence to supplant independence in the fundamental self-concept of Americans and other citizens of the world. And the core choose to be self-evident. I am, therefore you are. You are, therefore I am. With this declaration, we hereby affirm that the suffering of other beings is the same thing as our own suffering. When our bombs fall on a culture we do not understand, they fall on our own homes and families because either we ignore their pain and lose our compassion or we embrace their pain and admit that our brothers and sisters have died. Eventually, our own bombs fall on us a second time, on the hatred and as, thank you. <laughs> These glasses aren't strong enough. As the hatred and resentment engendered by our actions circle the globe endlessly until they find us and affect us in every imaginable way. We hold these truths to be self-evident. I am, therefore you are. You are, therefore I am. With this declaration, we denounce the celebration of war, including victory in so-called just wars, because war itself represents a colossal failure of communication to be mourned regardless of the outcome. The winners in war may actually lose the most. How can we know anything when we can no longer look into our hearts 
because of the pain of what we became on the road to victory. Thank you, Jim. With this declaration, we hereby affirm our oneness with the British people and all other people against whom our country has made war since July 4, 1776, through the present moment, including but not limited to the people of Canada, tribal nations of Western Africa, Mexico, Philippines, Spain, the Confederate South, Nicaragua, Germany, Austria, Turkey, the Soviet Union, Italy, Japan, Palestine, China, North Korea, Bikini Islands, Cuba, Vietnam, Laos, Cambodia, Congo, Zimbabwe, Mozambique, Namibia, Liberia, Libya, Lebanon, El Salvador, Honduras, Chile, Guatemala, Peru, Grenada, Panama, Colombia, Iran, Iraq, and Native American nations, including Apache, Cherokee, Comanche, Iroquois, Miwok, Mohican, Navajo, and Sioux, and countless groups within our own country, such as poor people, people of color, women, homosexuals, artists, atheists, intellectuals, communists, and their acquaintances, non-traditional healers, and members of various religious, ethnic, and political communities and organizations. With this declaration, we penetrate the quality of victim and perpetrator and redefine all beings affiliated with violence as victims desperately needing compassion, understanding, and care, not more violence. We see 100,000 dead enemy soldiers as 100,000 dead children, which is often what they are. We see that ignoring dead and grieving soldiers makes it easier to ignore dead and grieving mothers and children. Therefore, we declare our oneness with the soldiers, ours and theirs, living and dead, who committed uncountable and unspeakable atrocities in the aforementioned wars and who have suffered more than we will ever know. We vow to honor their pain and their sacrifices, even as we struggle to direct their energy and repair the damage they have done. With this declaration, we acknowledge our own anger and ignorance and the ways we as individuals unconsciously nurture the spirit of violence in our world by projecting onto others the responsibility for our pain. We vow to embrace our anger and ignorance as if they were our children, 
in order to understand them and know their needs. With this declaration, we acknowledge the subtle interconnectedness of war, the cruel exploitation of animals, and the destruction of the environment. The same illusion of separateness that makes possible the violence of one person or group against another also makes possible the casual destruction of other species and their habitats. In particular, we recognize the Amazon and the oceans as the two great lungs of our planet, as important and as much a part of ourselves as our own lungs. With this declaration, we vow not to be seduced by the political process which festers the illusion of social engagement while minimizing the risk of actual change. Regardless of whether or how we vote in elections, we, we vow to vote every day with our hearts and minds, our hands and feet, our mouths, our money, and our meditation. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all beings are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of emptiness, as well <laughs> as breathing, smiling, playing with dogs, being in nature, expressing oneself, and living and dying in peace. <laughs> and Mayumi Oda says, spirituality is not a very difficult thing. It is just an understanding of how we are interconnected. If we are interconnected, then we cannot damage the earth, and we can't damage or kill each other. We have to take care of each other because that is just taking care of ourselves. So I think we have about five minutes. I also think it's interesting, and I hope you noticed, you know, that the words from what, four, five, six different um, sources basically are saying the same thing. And they're not all necessarily Buddhist. You know, several, of course, many are, but not all. There is, there is this recognition. I, I don't think it's mainstream particularly, but there certainly is this recognition of, of our interdependence. I like that word, interdependence. You know, if, if Andy doesn't like interconnectedness, that's okay. I think interdependence probably, or interrelatedness, I think probably says it better anyway. Yeah. Um, I was reading the, the, the list of all the, all the people that we um, <laughs> have been to, at war with. I, I feel that another group needs to be included. Mm -hmm. um, and I'll just say we're going to visit some old friends from college 
we're both conservatives and uh, we're liberals and we're going to be spending a number of days with them. And I think somehow the conservatives need to be listed here too, that we need to try to understand the conservatives to take them into account. Mm. Uh, in reading uh, George Lakoff and others, they understand, they believe what they are doing is absolutely right, many of them. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I have tried to say, how, how do I relate to them? How do I understand the way they think? And, and understand their humanity and their hurts and so on and still not believe what they believe. And so I, I would like to add somehow to, to that so they're not the enemy <laughs> that once again we're at war with. Right, right. It is a very good point. I think though um, I was so aware that they took great care not to mention any political well, group. But I see them here. I mean, I mean, the list here, uh, people of color, women, homosexuals, artists, atheists, intellectuals, communists, community, and so on. Yeah, yeah. It, I just sensed the omission of the opposite political party because this Let list sounds very liberal to me. <laughs> Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Oh, I'd, uh, I'd say it. Yes. Oh, yes. Okay. Yeah. 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 We don't have time now, but, but um, sometime maybe we can have a conversation about this because it doesn't say that these are liberal. Okay. No. No, but it when, doesn't. when you say the persecuted. Yeah. The hate can be there. All I'm saying is the hate and the war can be there. Right, but I think, no, you I'm know. The important point is that whether we're conservative or liberal or any other thing, that we not persecute or denigrate or whatever exactly. anybody who's different from us. Exactly. Anybody. Yeah, you wanted to say? Well, um, just, um, just to kind of say this to, my, to myself, um, um, I don't know if it mentioned children or those with di who were disabled. As well. I don't think disabled. No, it mentioned children, but not not in that context. Not yeah. in that context. Yeah, right. I'm sure everyone could probably think of their own <laughs> kind of yeah. oppressed. Yeah. Yeah. Right. right. Mm -hmm. I think this is wonderful. But this really isn't it? Yeah. Isn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And and I think as you're suggesting that that it is important, and I think they were very careful in writing this. To make sure that it that it that it uh, gave the idea of inclusivity without making this the liberal position or any other <laughs> position, you know that that it is in a way it's not a position. <laughs> it just describes the in what? Uh, but it is. And inclusivity. <laughs> But, but it is um, that, that one paragraph with all the groups that we have been at war with, all the countries. It is, isn't it? I mean, good question. Amazing, isn't it? Amazing. 
Some of these countries in the long list are not necessarily countries that we ever had a, a war declared with. So we've gotten into this wonderful business of having a war but not declaring it a war. Double speak or something. Yeah. Well, it's a few minutes after, so I think we probably should formally stop. Um, have a safe drive home. <laughs> And happy fourth.